How's everybody doing? Good. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It is good to see everybody. I know like as, um, as leaders, we pray for you guys. And we're growing to, to love you in the Lord. And it is really good to see some faces we've never seen before. So thanks for coming. Hope you guys find a church that um, you can dig into and enjoy fellowshipping and fellowshipping in. Uh, this is a ministry of Grace Bible Church. It's, uh, it's good to be here worshiping as uh, brothers and sisters. Um, if, if you guys could show up on the screen, as Tanner mentioned, um, we're a gospel-centered ministry, and uh, we have dedicated our teaching time to studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. And, uh, you know, uh, as we prepare, like, we take God's Word so seriously. Like, I don't want to just hear the words in the Bible. I want to know them, to understand them, and for them to change me. So, what, we're, what we've been doing is, uh, as Tanner mentioned, we've been looking at a verse in 1 John 2.6. And we've just been launching with that idea that if we call ourselves Christians, if we call ourselves Christians, if we claim that we are in Christ, we abide in Him, we know Him, we love Him, we're familiar with Him, we ought to walk in the same manner as He walked. Not enough just to, to know about Him. We want to be like Him. I have a teaching tool here. I'm going to make this available on the Internet. Um, what we covered last semester would be considered the early years of Christ um, before his ministry really exploded. The first one we studied, Jesus started out in Nazareth. His parents did. He was born Bethlehem. And we looked at humility. Christ came in humility. Um, the next one, the next thing we looked at is we can walk after him is Jesus went into the wilderness. He was tempted how did he handle temptation? We looked at taking sin seriously. From the wilderness of Judea, he went up to, um, back to near his hometown. He called two disciples. We looked at the value of Christ. Are you willing to lay down what you have and see Christ as more valuable? After that, Jesus stayed up there and Tanner taught on the wedding at Cana. Jesus in the public eye. After that, Jesus went from Cana down to Jerusalem, the cleansing of the temple. He cast out all the people in there who were making a mockery of God's house. And he said, zeal for your house is eating me up. What does that mean? We studied that Christ's love for the house of God was one of the main reasons that he was crucified. Zeal for your house has literally eaten me up. We're called to walk after him like that. After Jerusalem, he stayed in Jerusalem. He met Nicodemus at night. Nicodemus said, what must I do? And Jesus said, you must be born again. After that, Jesus headed up south, headed back up to his hometown. of. Sam but on the way, he went out of his way through Samaria. He met a woman by the well. The Father is seeking true worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And that brings us to today. This was like the first, and if you look at like your Bible, sometimes they, they get this big chunk called the early years. And then after that, it's called the Great Galilean Ministry. That's where we're going to head today. 
we're going to be looking at Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. And uh, Jesus Speaks is tonight's title. Um, I'd like to talk about words. Tanner, can you help me out? Sorry, I should have said something a little bit earlier. Do words matter is the question. And specifically, we want to look at Christ's words. We're going to be doing something a little bit different tonight. I, I absolutely love this study. I started in Matthew Monday. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I just took notes on all of, not all of Jesus' words, but especially when people had strong reactions to his words. And then I'm going to ask you the question is, what, what do I do with that? How do I walk after Christ when we consider his words? We're going to go through the Gospels in a manner three times tonight. And we're going to, each time we're going to start from Nazareth, his hometown, when the great Galilean ministry began. But do words matter? We speak words all the time. Think of the conversations that you had today. I know this is kind of distracting. Why are 200 Bibles just went by me? Does anybody need a Bible tonight? You have to wait till after the illustration. I'm sorry. That would totally ruin everything. Think of the conversations you had today. The words that you said. Have you ever said this? Well, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean what I said there. Or, oops, that slipped out. Think of all the things that you've, just the, the, the meaningless words we say. How many words do you think a person speaks in a day? To make the statistics easier, we'll start with males. In, your, in a day, a typical guy will speak about 14,485 words. In a year, a person will speak about 5,287,285 words. We speak a lot of words. If you were to live to the age of 70, which is an average lifetime, how many words would you speak? Oops, that slipped out. I didn't mean that. How many words do you speak? And does it matter? Um, In your lifetime, at that rate, you will speak approximately 370 million words 110,001.3. What does that look like? That's a lot of words. In the Bible, there are 593,493 words. If you were to take all the words that you will speak in your lifetime and you were to write them down, it would add up to approximately 600 and 23 Bibles. That's how many we have here. Actually, this is 622, 623 Bibles. No, we don't need that, thank you. (laughs) It was really strange. I helped two other guys. Um, Jesse, thank you, Jesse, who helped me carry Bibles. Another fellow named Austin. 
really strange, carrying up all these Bibles from the sanctuary and out of storage and uh, looking around for lost and found Bibles. <laughs> Why was that strange? Let's, let's, let's consider some of the words of Christ. We're going to be considering how to speak strictly from the Gospels. Matthew 12, 36. On the day of judgment, Jesus said, You will give an account for every idle, every careless, every thoughtless word you speak. I wonder, let's say, if that's 70 and I'm 35, the math is really easy. That's my table in here. I wonder how many of these words I have spoken that have been just frivolous, careless, wrong, sinful. As I was carrying up, it was kind of convicting, thinking of even the words that I've said to people I love, people I don't know. We'll give, we'll give an account for every word. Why, does, why? What's the big deal? Here's the big deal. Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was going after the people's heart. And he said in Luke 6.45, For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You see, what comes out of our mouth is a gauge of what's going in the heart. All these words that we speak, they came from someplace. Somebody didn't make you see them, even though they slipped out. Maybe you said something gracious or kind. They didn't, they didn't just happen. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. They reveal the heart. The Pharisees were after Jesus one time because he didn't wash his hands. And they said, don't you, why don't you wash your hands or your disciples wash your hands? They believed that if you didn't wash your hands through a ceremonial cleansing, you ate something, you'd be defiled. And Jesus said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, it's, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Why is that? It's because what comes out of your mouth reveals who you are many times in what is going on in your heart. Words reveal the heart. So Jesus is in, he's in Nazareth, back at his hometown. Let's go to Luke 4.22. If you get tired of flipping tonight, I totally understand. Oh, by the way, Lindsay, an Australian statistic, I don't know where this came from, but if Americans speak that much, in Australia, it's one billion words. It's a lot more in Australia. Apparently, they talk more. And ladies, you speak three times more a day than men. So I'm just here to warn you, your judgment is really... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Be careful. I probably shouldn't have said that. I hope, that, I hope tonight's study makes you do that. Gauge your words. All right. Let's close in prayer. Just kidding. Mark, Luke 4. Luke 4. Jesus has come into his own hometown. And a lot of these passages, because of time, I'm going to summarize for you. He goes into, 
one of, as his custom was, he would go into the tabernacle. He goes into the tabernacle at Nazareth and he begins to teach. And there was something about his words that caught everybody off guard. In 22, it says, So all bore witness to him and marveled at, and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. You see, Jesus would speak, and on one hand, people would say, what gracious words. And then, keep reading down, and Jesus reveals more about Israel, more about the gospel is not just about the Jews, but it is about God's love is going to reach out to the Gentiles. He says that in verse 28 says, "So So all those in the synagogue... When they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they tried to throw him off a cliff just because of what he said. Jesus' words had a great effect on them. Um, in John 7.46, later on in the Gospels, you don't need to turn there. The, uh, the high priests have sent men out to arrest Jesus, soldiers. You know what the soldiers say? They go out to arrest him, and they come back, and they say, no man has ever spoke like this. They can't even arrest him. They, they, they go out, and they listen to his words, and they say, there is something different about this guy. You see, these people were so used to hearing scribes and Pharisees with their self-serving words. Their words are that they would speak Scripture, but they would use it selfishly. And when Jesus came, he spoke with power. And they said, there is something different about this guy. I love that verse. They, they, and the Pharisees turn and they say, what are, what are you, have you converted to? No man has ever spoke like, these words, like this man. What other ways did Jesus show power in his speech? In Mark 4.39, he's out in the sea. You remember what happens. Sea billows up and the disciples are sore afraid. And they say, Jesus, don't you care? He's sleeping. And he wakes up, and this is what he says. He rebukes the sea with his words. Be still. Then he turns to the disciples and he says, um, I'm sorry, the disciples hear this. And they say, who can this be that even the wind and the seas obey him? Jesus spoke to his creation. When people would come in Nazareth, shortly after, people who were demon-possessed came. How did Jesus speak to them? Did he argue with them? Did he? No. He said, shut up. There was no argument. Like Jesus as creator, he said, be still, be quiet, and come out of him. And the people said, what type of power? What is, who is this man? No one has ever spoke like this. They said, what a word this is. What did Jesus say to the chief priests? Towards the end of Jesus' ministry, as we're moving on, the chief priests are trying to to trick him in his words. Let's go to uh, Matthew 21. They wanted to, to catch him in his words. These were to people who knew Scripture. Like they could quote, they could probably quote, if not all of the Old Testament, just about all of it. Jesus listens to their argument, and this is what he says to them in verse 42. 
Have you never read the scriptures? You see, why, you got to ask, why was Jesus' word so powerful? It's because he didn't, he spoke scripture, he understood scripture, and he didn't use it for self-serving purposes like the Pharisees did. He understood the intent of it. If you turn over in um, the next page, 22.15, says, Then the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And if you listen to the words of the, of the, the Pharisees, you understand their heart. They say, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Is that true? Yeah. Is that what they meant? No, they're just trying to get him to listen. They're, they're being sly. And nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. What does he mean? Is this true? Jesus spoke, and it didn't matter who his audience was, he spoke truth. He didn't regard what he said according to, I'd better be careful how I say these words, these are Pharisees. Or, I'd better be careful how I say this, this is a, this is a, a peasant. Or, I'd better be careful how I say these words, this is a king. They said, no, you care, um, nor do you care about uh, anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. That's true, but their intent is they're, not, they're trying to tickle his ears. So they try to trick him. They say, tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? You see, they think we've caught him. We've caught him in his words. Because if he says one thing, he's in trouble with the, Roman, the Romans. If he says another thing, he's in trouble with the Jews. Have they caught him? Has they caught him in his words? Jesus again. He answers them so wisely. Later on, they ask him another question: If if a person had, if if a person married a woman and he died, and his brother married a woman, and then and then he died, and the and they all married the same woman. Whose, whose wife would she be, Jesus? And again, Jesus says, 29, he answers with Scripture. 22, 29, you are mistaken, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Jesus' words are so bold. They're they are filled with un, not just Scripture, but understanding. They understood, he understood it. Do you remember when Jesus was young? He studied the Scriptures. That's amazing. God studied the scriptures. Jesus studied the scriptures. He understood them. Um, to the Pharisees, uh, to Pilate at his trial, to Herod first, I'm sorry, to Herod, who wants entertainment. He's glad to see Jesus. He wants to be entertained. Jesus says nothing. Absolutely nothing. Later on to Pilate, who asks him straight, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answers him straight, boldly, I am the king of the Jews. I am the king. But then when Pilate says, well, can't you see, man? I can set you free. Defend yourself. Jesus says nothing. Matthew twenty-seven fourteen. he says nothing, so that the governor marvels at him. I wanted to take that short section and consider that when Jesus spoke, one of the things that people were amazed at is it was so bold, 
so wise. It was with understanding of the scripture. And I'd like to ask you a question. If we are to walk as Christ walked, and Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What, what's going on in your heart? Do you speak boldly like Christ? Do you know the scriptures? Like, when people ask you questions about the scriptures, about the Bible, do you understand them? Or would Jesus... Would he say the same thing to you? You are misunderstanding. You don't even know the scriptures. Or you like the priests and the, and the scribes. One of the verses that uh, I think about a lot as I wrestle with being bold is Mark 8.38. says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed. Our words. Do your words reflect that boldness and knowledge of Scripture? And if they do, praise the Lord. You are, what does that say about your heart? If we speak, if we are scared, it says something about our heart. But if we, if we know Scripture, it says something about our heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let's go back to Nazareth. Luke 4.22, it says, So all bore witness to him. And they marveled at his gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? When Christ spoke, not only was it bold, not only was it it powerful in many different ways. This is going to be more of a practical section. But it was so gracious. It's very kind, very appropriate. Let's go to uh, Luke 7 for our first example. There was an occasion in Luke 7. Where the Pharisees invite, a Pharisee invites Jesus over to eat. Verse 36. I wonder, I wonder why he did that. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with them. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And he's sitting there eating with the Pharisee, this fellow. And in comes this lady. And she makes a total scene. It says, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, she had a reputation. Watch how she acts. And when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask, fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. Whatever this woman was known for, she was torn up. Her conscience, she was just, Lord, I am a sinful person, and I know who you are. I need your forgiveness. That's the scene. It's probably embarrassing to the Pharisee whose house this is and has a guest and there's somebody making a scene in his house and in his head he starts to think and it reveals his heart. He says down in um, 
39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. What did the Pharisee's words reveal about his heart? Self-righteousness. That's what they say. Blind. Condemnation where he sees this person and says, this person is a sinner. Not even understanding his own heart. That's what is revealed in his heart. Hypocrisy. What does Jesus say? Rather than joining in, and saying, I know, I know, look at her. Can't you tell she's a sinner? Look how sad she is. Rather than joining in, he speaks word of love, compassion, and forgiveness. He reveals this man's heart by showing all of the common courtesies that he was supposed to have done to a guest and never did. And then he looks at the woman in verse 47. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. To whom little is forgiven, the same loveth, loves much. Can you imagine being that woman and hearing these words directed at you and understanding that you know how great your sin is? And Jesus says, to whom is forgiven much, she loves much. Words of gracious compassion and forgiveness. Let's move on. John 8. The Pharisees, again, are trying to catch Jesus. And they do it in a very self-serving way. They have a, a huddle. And in the midst, they bring a woman who they say has been caught in adultery. They bring her right into the center, and Jesus is standing there. And they say, Jesus, well, here's what the law says. Moses' law, who you agree with, I'm sure, Jesus, says that if a person is caught in adultery, they should be stoned. What do you say? Set him up. Try to catch him in his words. See, what's missing in here? There's a man missing in here. They caught a woman in the act of adultery, but they only brought her in her shame, before all these men, their heart's been revealed. They care nothing about justice. They care nothing about Moses' law. They're using her to catch Jesus. Because if he says, yeah, we should stone him, we should stone her, what are we going to do with the Romans? They're going to they're take Jesus before the Romans and say, this guy's killing people. If Jesus says, no, we shouldn't stone her. Oh, so you don't agree with Moses' law, do you? So on one hand, he loses the compassion of the people. And on the other hand, he's disobedient. So what does Jesus say? Nothing. He says nothing. He knows their heart. He knows their intent. He says nothing at all. And it bends down, and I can only wonder, he starts writing in the sand. And then one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they walk away. And then with words of loving, compassion, 
forgiveness. He looks up at the guilty woman. And if anybody could have accused her, let the first one guilty, or let the first one, how's it go? I need to look down. He challenges them to throw the stones. No one does and they leave. And then when he looks up and he says, where are those who accuse you? They're all gone. He says, well, then I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. Can you imagine that feeling of you've been caught? And the righteous judge who knows all says, I don't accuse you either. Repent. Turn from your sin. Go and sin no more. Jesus' words words were filled with compassion, revealing, revealing the heart of God. On the other hand, you look at the Pharisees, manipulative, angry, hypocrites, self-centered. Their words reveal their heart. One of, the, one of the, uh, the quickest ways to get yourself in trouble with words is when you're tired. Sometimes we say things we don't mean when we're tired. How did Jesus act when he was tired? And when Jesus found out that John the Baptist had just been beheaded, all he wanted to do was to go alone in the wilderness and pray. So he goes alone in the wilderness, and the multitudes follow him. And what does he do? Well, he starts to heal them, starts to, to teach them. And the disciples, they're kind of like, sometimes you see them kind of like the bodyguards, And they say to Jesus, this is from Matthew 14, send them away, Jesus. You're you're too sad and tired for this. Send them away. Revealing their heart of maybe being, looking over people, being self-centered. What does Jesus say? I love this. He says, they don't need to go away. I know they're hungry. They don't need to go away. How about let's feed them? You feed them, guys. And rather than being self-serving, Jesus' words serve others. They don't need to go away. We're going we're gonna to feed them. To people who are hated, how did Jesus speak to them? In Luke 19, there's a fella whose name is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is hated. It's recorded he was very rich. He was a tax collector, probably a Jew who the Romans had hired to take taxes. He was, they couldn't stand this guy, and he was very rich. He was a sinner. And Jesus is teaching, and there's something inside Zacchaeus' heart that says, I want to listen to this man. You remember the song? So he climbs up a tree. And Jesus looks up at this man, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house. And everybody else, this is what they said, they complained. They complained about this, and they said, he has gone to to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus repents. He repents of his sin. He repents of cheating people. 
He pays people back more than he owed them. And Jesus says, today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house. Jesus' words to people who everybody hated. Jesus loved them. He shared the gospel with them. When everybody else complained about them. What about to children? There was a time in Luke 18. Jesus is teaching the crowds. And again, the disciples are there. They're kind of ushering people. Okay, your, your, your sickness is a little bit. You're limping. You're missing eyes. You first. And they're trying to like wade things out. And these parents come up, and they're like, can Jesus like touch our kids? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Your kids are healthy. Get them out of here. What does Jesus say to them? Do you remember? Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. His words are kind. They're they're, they're generous. I mean, there there are things that are more important, right? Jesus' words are kind. Another time, Jesus is going through a city and a fellow named Blind Bartimaeus. Remember this guy? He can't see. His name is Blind Bartimaeus. Um, actually, it's just Bartimaeus. <laughs> he cries out loudly. Can you just imagine for a second that you have something like you're, like you're blind, something that a terrible handicap, and all of a sudden here comes a guy who has, speaks like nobody you've ever heard, and you've heard that he can heal you. And you can't see him, but you know he's near because the crowds are going crazy around him. And it says that he began to cry out loudly in Mark 10. He cried out loudly. And it said that many of him, many who were around Bartimaeus said, Be quiet. You're making a scene. You're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing yourself. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. And at this, Bartimaeus cries out all the more. And th- these are Jesus' words. He hears them. And he turns and he says, What do you want me to do? Jesus, the Son of God, turns to Bartimaeus and says, What would you like me to do? Bartimaeus says, I, I just want to see. Isn't that incredible? Like the the words of service. What do you want me to do? Um, Let's go to Mark 12. We can look at this one together. Go to 1241. These are gracious words. Jesus is going to speak graciously. It says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury. He's at the temple. And he saw how the people put money into the treasury. Take note of that. He saw how they put money in. And many were rich, and they put much in. And I can imagine a guy would have this purse. He's rich, and he's coming up. And he comes to the treasury and he's like, he dumps it in. And it's like, 
and it's loud, and everybody's like, hip, hip. <laughs> Did you hear that one? He's, he gave a lot. And then, 42, then one poor widow came and threw in two mites. Clink, clink. Shame, shame. Did you see how much she gave? Two little mites. You can just imagine the people, how they're so impressed with the loud noises of people dropping money in. Here comes a little widow, and she gives in just a little bit. 43. So he called his disciples to himself and said, listen to these gracious words that reveal not what you see, but the heart. As surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. What? For they all put in out of their abundance, for she out of her poverty. But in all that, um, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. You see, if you're a millionaire and you drop a thousand bucks, it ain't that big a deal, but 1000 bucks hitting the floor sounds like a lot. But to you, it didn't hurt. But if you've got a couple bucks, and, and maybe that's what you were going to eat tonight, use that to buy something, and you put that in, Jesus ex- graciously exposes her heart to the disciples, who didn't have a clue. She put more in than, than any of them. His words are gracious, very kind. Um, Luke twenty forty seven, Jesus points out that this is the type of woman who the Pharisees devour. They devour widows. They use them. They manipulate them to get money. Jesus' words are gracious, gracious to her. And then the last one in this section is John seventeen twenty. This section is called the High Priestly Prayer of Jesus, where he prays for his disciples. And I wanted to just point out one verse to you. John seventeen twenty. He's praying for his disciples, and then he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who who will believe in me through their word. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe me through their word. Do you see what's written right there? That is a record of Jesus' words praying for you today. Those who will, not, not necessarily here, I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will. That, that to me is so intriguing. That Jesus, he doesn't own, he, he thinks so timelessly. Um, Jesus spoke words of prayer. I wonder what it would have been like to listen to Jesus pray. We're gonna be, Tanner's going to be discussing that next week. Jesus prays. Um, what can we learn? Do you speak gracious words? Like when, when people talk to, when you're talking to people, 
Are your words gracious? Are they kind? Do they, are they encouraging? Are they thankful? Are your words loving? Are your words forgiving? Are your words healing? Are your words serving words? Check your heart. Luke 6.35, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. If you do, it says something about your heart. God's working in it. Or are your words cutting? Are your words angry? Are your words prideful, self-serving? Are they filled with hypocrisy? For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Your words mean something. They reveal something about you. They're not just nothing. I wonder how many of these words, if we were to add them all up, like how many stacks would be like words of compassion? Like, Wouldn't it be awesome to say that the bulk of this table of your words had the same type of flavor and aroma that Christ said? Compassionate, generous, loving, forgiving, the power of his word, healing words. I want that to be true of me so much. I've been, as I've been studying through this week, I've really been very aware of every word I've been saying almost. Let's keep going. Jesus was known for powerful words, bold words. Secondly, he was known for words that were compassionate. Loving words. Thirdly, they had a point. In Luke 4.43, right after Jesus had returned to Nazareth, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus came as a preacher, as a guy who, a speaker, son of God, and he had something to say. And if you look right, in, right around that section, he began preaching, repent and believe. And as we listen to these words, what, what is our response? Well, one, do I believe these words? Secondly, do I repeat these words? Am I familiar with these words? Um, it is not enough that we just hear the words of Jesus. We must believe them and obey them. Matthew 14, 23 said, Jesus, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. It's not just about knowing the words, it's about obeying the words. Jesus said his words are eternal. In the Olivet Discourse, towards the end, Jesus begins teaching his disciples. And he says in Matthew 24, 35, My words are eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Man, that's powerful. Like, the words of Christ recorded in Scripture, they will be what we are judged by someday. Not by our works, not by how good we were, but how we responded to what Christ said. But my words by no means will pass away. 
What, did, what else did Jesus say about the gospel? He said, there is no other way. That's bold. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Do you believe that? If you love, if you love Jesus, you'll obey it. You believe it. That's what a Christian is marked by. Jesus said that he was God. That's a huge part of the gospel. John 14, 9. He who has seen me has seen the, has seen the Father. Let's go to... Uh, turn to Luke 24. Not only did Jesus say that he was God... Twenty-four, forty-four. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead, the third day, and that the repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are the witnesses of these things. Not only did Jesus say that he is the only way, not only did he say that he was God, he is God, he said, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, I'm going to take the punishment for sin, and if you believe in this, you can be saved. He spoke gospel words. For this purpose, I have come. For this purpose, I have been sent. Do you believe the words of Christ? That's a good question. And then finally, revelation of the heart, revealing our heart. John 6, 45 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Do you... Do you also speak gospel words. The words that you say to other people, your, whoever God's put in your life, your roommates, classmates, people you work with, people you bump into, is there anything gospel in them? Like, do you speak of Christ? Or do you just speak of whatever comes to mind? If you love Christ... It's going to come out. If he's on your mind, it's going to come out. But if you don't, if you don't say anything at all, what does it say about your heart? I wanted to challenge you with, uh, this is what David said in the Psalms in closing. This would be a great meditation for us as a group to think on. Psalms 19.14. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. You see the correlation there? Lord, may my words and my heart be pleasing unto you. We're going we're gonna to sing. Tanner said this before. I, f- I forget who the guy said it. But we, when we sing, 
How does that go? Yeah. You know, I pray that as we sing, it will be from our heart that loves the Lord and not just empty words, but uh, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be pleasing to the Lord. This week, if you want to keep studying and consider your words, I challenge you to do two things. One, Proverbs has so much wisdom about what we say. Read through Proverbs and focus on one thing, what the fool says. Focus on what comes out of the mouth, and it's going to, it reveals so much about my heart. Second thing, read the Gospels. I have five pages of single-spaced of stuff that I went through in the Gospels of what just impacted me when Christ said something. And I love to watch how people responded. And every time I'm like, man, Lord, that's so good. That's truth. I believe that. Help that to be true in me. I would challenge you to go through the Gospels and just listen to what Christ is saying. Pray that the Lord would penetrate our hearts and that we would become like him. I'm going to ask the guys to to come up. And then after uh, we're done singing, we'll close in a word of prayer. I'd love to pray with you. Heavenly Father, this really is an inadequate devotional for the topic, Lord. It's been so challenging to me, Lord, this week to consider my words as I consider your son's words. Lord, help us to be wise, to, to be, not to just try to say good things, but, Lord, that you would actually change our hearts so that good things would come out. And, and Father, as Christians, help us to, when we do see words that come out of our mouth and realize they are from a heart that still wrestles in the sin, Lord, help us to be quick to repent. Lord, you told us to hide your word in our heart so that we wouldn't sin against you. Lord, I pray that it would not be true of us like the Pharisees who did not even understand the Scriptures. Lord, give, open our eyes like you did the disciples so that we would see you in all the Scriptures, Lord. Pray that you would be working in our hearts even now as we sing, as we open up your word and listen to you, Lord. We ask all these things in your name.